MSW Media. Thanks to Aura Frames for supporting the Daily Beans. Aura Frames makes digital picture frames designed to easily fill your home with photos of family and friends shared instantly from an app. Right now, you can save up to $50 off on select frames by going to AuraFrames.com. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, February 8th, 2024. Today, Republicans tank their own border bill in the Senate as Chuck Schumer pivots to a clean aid package for Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel. Ronna McDaniel can add the Romney back to her name because she's resigning as the RNC chair. If you've donated to the Trump PAC Save America, your money is going to pay Jared and Ivanka's legal fees. The IRS is expected to collect hundreds of billions of dollars thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act. Nikki Haley loses to none of these candidates in the Nevada primary. And Representative Al Green left the hospital and voted against the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas in a hospital gown. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Happy Thursday. How are you? I am good. I'm I'm as good as I can be, feeling a <laughs> tiny bit under the weather, but other than that, pushing through. Oh, well, get better, my friend. Get get better. Feel better. Everybody send the healing vibes. Yeah, I need to be taking my vitamins, I'll be honest. Uh, me too. You know, I kind of been slipping and I need to get back on that train, especially my probiotics, all that AG1 stuff that I take. <laughs> I need to, totally. need to get back onto it. I mean, you know, I miss a few days and you could, it totally makes a difference. So yeah. the rain, I just get so lazy when it rains. I can't help it. It's because you want to be all cuddly. It, uh, yep. I want to curl up with soup and I, I don't want to, I want to stay in my onesies and, uh, and I want to read the immunity decision over and over again and, and watch fast car. So anyway, it's Thursday. I want to say happy birthday to my mom. Oh, happy birthday, AG's mom. She's very young today. And so I hope she has a wonderful birthday and, uh, I know she listens, I think, sometimes, maybe, when it's not raining. I don't know. But uh, happy birthday, Madre. Love you. Also, later in the show, we're going to have Steve Pearson. He's running for uh, assembly in District 44 in California. And uh, I get to talk to him. He's also the host of the How We Win podcast. Very cool guy. So stick around for that. All right. Before we get to the hot notes, my, the, <laughs> the Republicans are a clusterfuck. First, oh my gosh. First, they say... Okay, let's send aid to Gaza, Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel. That's what we wanted. But the Republicans said, no, we have to fix our border first. Put the border stuff in there. So we spent four months meeting their demands on a border deal. And today, the Republicans in the Senate tanked that bill. So now Chuck Schumer said, all right, let's do a clean bill to fund Gaza, Ukraine, Taiwan, and Israel without the border stuff. So you can keep your border problem to run on this year. And now the Republicans are like, we aren't going to vote on anything that doesn't fix the border. So I've said it over and over, Dana. Republicans will not fund Ukraine. They do not want to fix the border. They love the problem. They love Putin. So as of now, the just aid bill without border stuff has passed the procedural vote. It only needed a simple majority, but it only got 58 votes. So now they need 60 to get it to fully pass. It looks like they only have 58. Who knows what the hell they're going to do? I don't know. 
Meanwhile, Ukraine is running out of ammunition and Putin is happy about it. And I'm sure he and Tucker Carlson are going to high five about it because that douchebag is in Moscow getting ready to platform the murderous dictator in hopes of getting, I don't know, a VP nod from the quadruply indicted rapist. I cannot with this today. So can we bring back yesterday with the immunity ruling? That would be lovely. And fast car. Let's just, yes, please. Let's just live in that time. <laughs> I would like that. All right. Uh, also, by the way, did you hear about this AG? Trump Save America PAC gave $2.3 million to Ivanka and Jared. <sighs> yeah. To help them pay what? Their legal bills. Because that's apparently all they do with donations now um, that they're given to Trump. That's according to a Business Insider review of federal elections commissions. The, the, these are on record. And the PAC spent an additional $5.3 million on lawyers for Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka. So if you know anyone, by the way, donating to the Save America PAC out there, and I know some of you do, you might want to just let them know that all their money is going to E. Jean Carroll and legal fees for the Trump family. <laughs> all of it. It's <laughs> uh, unbelievable. I don't know how he's the front. You know what? Let's just hit the hot notes. Hot notes. I, I just can't. I just can't, Dana. I can't today. I know. All I right. And I can't. <laughs> First up, from Maggie Haberman and Jonathan Swan at the New York Times, the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, has told former President Donald J. Trump she's going to step down shortly after the South Carolina primary, which is on February 24th. That's according to two people familiar. Uh, Mr. Trump is then likely to promote the chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party, Michael Watley, as, as her replacement. And that's according to several people familiar with discussions. Under the arcana of committee rules, however, Mr. Trump cannot simply install someone. There must be a new election. And Mr. Watley could face internal party dissent. Ms. McDaniel has faced months of pressure, a campaign from Trump-allied forces to unseat her, and growing dissatisfaction and anxiety in the Trump camp about the strained finances of the RNC. Why don't you have any money? Why don't, it's because you are the candidate. That's why, that's why she doesn't have any money. <laughs> and y'all ousted McCarthy, the only guy who could raise money for you. I mean, I don't like the guy, but the, what the fuck? Anyway, the, it's 2024. Get your shit together. Trump likes Watley for one overwhelming reason. According to people who have discussed him with the former president, he is a stop the steal guy, as one of the people describes him. He endorses Trump's false claims about mass voter fraud, and Mr. Trump believes he did a good job delivering North Carolina, a 2020 swing state, to him. He probably cheated. All right. McDaniel said, and Mr. Trump met at Mar-a-Lago, Rana and Don, Rana and Donald, <laughs> Ron and Don, <laughs> met at Mar-a-Lago on Monday. And he posted this uh, on, uh, on Truth Social shortly after the meeting, all but declaring that changes were coming. And in the post, he described her as my friend and said she was now head of the RNC, but I'll be making a decision the day after South Carolina as to my recommendations for RNC growth. Well, maybe, like I said, now she can change her name back. I, Charlie Kirk, by the way, the founder of the uh, Turning Point USA group, who has lobbied publicly to remove Ronna McDaniel, suggested last week in an interview that some Trump family members, maybe Laura Trump, the former president's daughter-in-law, could could be a potential pick for the party leadership post. I, I, I don't know. I was thinking, we learned recently Vince McMahon and James O'Keefe don't have jobs. Maybe they're free. <laughs> 
Oh, they all need background checks. Yes. That apparently Trump can just forge for them like he did for his son-in-law. All right. This is from NBC. Nikki Haley, the story is actually quite funny. Face no majority challenger Tuesday in Nevada's presidential primary. This reminds me of when we played um, Monopoly as a child and was like, you got second place in the beauty contest and you were the only one there. (laughs) Now, okay. No primary challenger in Nevada. She still lost. This is according to NBC News, by the way. Nevada voters in state-run primary, they had a choice to reject all the candidates on the ballot, and they did just that, with more people choosing to vote none of these candidates over Haley. It was a stinging rebuke of of Nikki herself, the former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, as we know, and South Carolina governor, and one that some party leaders had encouraged, by the way. The outcome in Nevada was Haley's third consecutive loss in an early state primary contest. It reminds me of, do you remember Brewster's Millions, where he's like, vote for none of the above. <laughs> That's what this is. <laughs> okay, so Haley's campaign indicated that the results wouldn't affect how long she stays in the race. And I've said this before, there's zero reason for her to drop out. Nope. If this guy goes to prison... She's going to be the lead candidate in the Republican primary. She's got the money. Stay in. I know. This is a quote from the story. Even Donald Trump knows that when you play penny slots, the House wins. We didn't bother to play a game rigged for Trump. We're full steam ahead in South Carolina and beyond. This is a spokesperson, Olivia Perez Cubas, by the way. Former President Donald Trump, far and away, as we know, the front runner for the Republican nomination, wasn't on the same ballot, by the way, as Haley, because he is set to compete in party-run caucuses Thursday. That's how Nevada's doing theirs. In a true social post, Trump said it was a bad night for Nikki Haley. So even if Haley had won the primary, it wouldn't put her any closer to the GOP nomination at this point because she wouldn't have received any delegates. The state Republican Party decided that only candidates who take part in the caucuses can win delegates. Trump is the only candidate set to participate in Thursday's caucuses. (laughs) That's fair. Seems fair. Seems like a gimme. Haley said she decided not to compete in the caucuses because she believes the Nevada Republican Party is in the tank for Trump. Top party leaders have been indicted on allegations that they acted as false electors for Trump in the 2020 race. State GOP chair Michael McDonald's and <laughs> vice chair Jim DeGraffenreed's cell phones were seized. We talked about this and both <laughs> testified before a grand jury in the federal investigation into Trump's attempt at overturning the 2020 election. And I quote, and I will fix the way I pronounce that state, we have not spent a dime nor an ounce of energy on Nevada. Haley campaign manager Betsy Ankney said that in a media call on Monday. She went on to say we aren't going to pay $55,000 to a Trump entity to participate in a process that's rigged for Trump. Nevada is not and has never been our focus. Yeah, so fuck you, Nevada. (laughs) Basically, (laughs) now Joe Biden, on the other hand, he crushed in Nevada. The primary, we talked about the winning almost 90% of the vote, and he doubled the number of Republicans that went to the polls. Yeah, just for him. Just for That's him. That's a big deal. Yeah, nobody's talking about that. That's cool, though. I mean, I guess it's because he's the presumptive nominee, but the palace intrigue of Nikki Haley losing to none of the above, I think, was so just good. too hard to back off of, and I, I can't blame him. All right, here's some more good news from the Associated Press. The IRS is poised to take in hundreds of billions of dollars in overdue and unpaid taxes 
more than previously were anticipated. And that's according to a new analysis released Tuesday by the Treasury Department and the IRS. Tax revenues are expected to rise by as much as $561 billion from 2024 to 2034, thanks to a stepped-up enforcement made possible with money from the Democrats' Inflation Reduction Act, which became law in August of 2022. The Congressional Budget Office, that's the CBO in 2022, estimated that it would be tens of billions uh, of new IRS funding by the IRA that would increase revenues by about 180 billion. It's going to be 560 billion. <laughs> that's like three times as much. The IRS now says that the, uh, if the IRA funding is restored, renewed, and diversified, estimated revenues could reach 851 billion dollars. Wow, that's almost a trillion dollars, y'all. Quote, this analysis demonstrates that President Biden's investment in rebuilding the IRS will reduce the deficit by hundreds of billions of dollars by making the wealthy and big corporations pay the taxes they owe. That's National Economic Advisor Lael Brainard in a statement. Congressional Republicans' efforts to cut IRS funding show that they prioritize letting the wealthiest Americans and big corporations evade taxes over cutting the deficit. The Inflation Reduction Act gave the IRS just $80 billion in funds that is going to result in $561 billion, by the way. That's a hell of a rate of return. But House Republicans built a $1.4 billion reduction to the IRS into the debt ceiling and budget cuts package passed by Congress last summer. A separate agreement took an additional $20 billion from the IRS over the next two years to divert to other non-defense programs. Since then, the agency has tried to show how it's spending the money it has left in hopes of stemming the cuts. New customer service improvements rolled out as the tax season began January 29th, and earlier this month, the IRS announced it had recouped half a billion dollars in back taxes from rich tax cheats. Half a billion. After the IRA was signed into law, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen directed IRS leadership not to increase audit rates on people making less than $400,000 a year. Now, ensuring that people actually pay their taxes is one of the tax collection agency's biggest challenges. The audit rate of millionaires fell by more than 70% from 2010 to 2019, and the audit rate on large corporations fell by more than half. Treasury Department Assistant Secretary for Tax Analysis, Greg Leeserson, told reporters IRA funding is enabling the IRS to reverse this trend. The tax gap, by the way, which is the difference between taxes owed and taxes paid, has grown to more than $600 billion annually, according to the IRS. And Biden has been trying to close that tax gap. No thanks to any help from Republicans. No, of course not. Now, this last story gives me a little bit of a giggle because boy, math is hard. Uh, this is from Kayla Guo at The Times. With the final minutes for the vote dwindling, I should do that story, story voice. Yeah. With the final vote dwindling, the House watched intently on Tuesday night to see whether any Republicans would defect on the resolution to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, the Homeland Security Secretary. Okay. Three House Republicans had already cast votes against impeaching Mr. Mayorkas, and based on attendance at the previous vote, the GOP could afford no more than that to defect, by the way. The tally held steady. And it seemed the indictment that Republicans had promised their base for over a year, accusing Mayorkas of refusing to comply with the law and breaching the public trust related to a surge of migrants at the U.S. border with Mexico, could just squeak along party lines. Then, like a scene out of the political thriller, Representative Al Green, Democrat of Texas, appeared at the last moment to cast a surprise ballot from a wheelchair 
wearing blue hospital clothes and tan socks. He voted no. Mr. Green <laughs> was in the house with the vote, and that's how it all went down. It's very, it's a very good clue episode. I love it. Also, he was in a gown. They they don't say that. The, those that the hospital clothing. He was in a fucking gown. <laughs> it was amazing. Was great. So, Miss Mr. Green's vote that was decisive. It tied up the measure two fifteen to two fifteen and handed a stunning defeat to Mike. Johnson. And his face when this happened was just a chef's kiss. He w- he had to get up there with the gavel and say, it didn't pass in. It Measure failed. fails. Bonk. <laughs> he was so <laughs> mad. <laughs> yep. And this is from Representative Green. I was determined to cast the vote long before. I had no idea how close it was going to be. That's what he said in an interview on Tuesday night from his hospital bed where he had returned shortly after voting. He said, I didn't come assuming that my vote was going to make a difference. I came because it was personal. I, it was remarkable. It was a remarkable save by Mr. Green, who was known around the Capitol for repeatedly defying Democratic leadership to push for the impeachment of Donald Trump during his pres- presidency. He had tried three times to impeach Mr. Trump and failed each time. But on Tuesday night, Mr. Green, who rushed to the Capitol after un- undergoing emergency abdominal surgery on Friday, delivered the final blow, at least for now, for partisan impeachment charges that Democrats and constitutional law experts, by the way, including several conservatives, have said are based on policy disputes and not on the constitutional standard of high crimes and misdemeanors which you need to impeach somebody. Ask Donald Trump. He knows he's an expert. So Mr. Green was still in the hospital on Tuesday recovering from surgery when he learned the House would vote on the impeachment charges against Mr. Mayorkas that night. He spoke to his doctors and phoned Representative Hakeem Jeffries, Democrat, as we know, from New York, and the minority leader, hopefully soon to be majority leader. He called to let him know that he would take an Uber to the Capitol. Mr. Jeffries did not insist, by the way, that he make the vote. Mr. Green said this, but arranged transportation for him. I love that Jeffries was like, you don't need to get here, but I've already ordered you an Uber. Yeah, I've already okay. ordered you a car. <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Green, he said this about Mr. Mayorkas. He said, I had to cast this vote because this is a good, decent man whose reputation should not be besmirched, which is a great word to say in any quote. Yes. He went straight to attending physician's office on the first floor of the Capitol where his blood pressure, his temperature were all monitored. He insisted on being brought up for the impeachment vote, quote, not to make a dramatic entrance, he said, but because this was a vote that was important to me. While he was sitting on the House floor, Mr. Green said Representative David Scott, who's a Democrat in Georgia, turned around to tell him he had tied the vote. He said, I hadn't even given thought to what that meant. Mr. Green did not cast a vote on an unrelated bill immediately preceding the impeachment resolution in what appeared to be an attempt to keep Republicans guessing. Well, it seemed to work. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican, as we know, in Georgia, was a vocal proponent of the drive for Mr. Mayorkas's impeachment, also accused Democrats of playing a game and having Mr. Green withhold his early vote to lull Republicans into false sense of security. Let me remind you, this vote was scheduled because they knew Mr. Green was going to go into surgery. So they scheduled this fucking vote, okay? Mm-hmm. Quote, they hit, this is Marjorie Taylor Green. they hid one of their members waiting to the last minute, watching to see our votes, trying to throw us off on the numbers that we had versus the numbers they had. She went on. She went on to say, "So yeah, that was a strategy at play tonight." Fucking Marjorie Taylor Greene is convinced 
that we hid that we hid a Democrat in the hospital in a surgery mm-hmm. just to just to you know and then brought him out. Yeah. yeah, come on out in your gown with your ass hanging out and make a vote for us. So Mr. Green denied timing his entrance to trick Republicans, of course, explaining that he assumed that the vote would be tight, but Republicans would prevail since they had chosen to bring the resolution onto the floor. <laughs> Why would a Republican bring this to the floor if they didn't have the votes? That's what he's insinuating there, and he's right. And I quote, under the Pelosi School of Politics, you don't bring it to the floor if you're not going to pass it. Yeah, yeah. You don't challenge, what is that quote from The Princess Bride? You don't <laughs> never go in against a Sicilian yes. when death is on death the line. Is on the line. That's, exact, that's exactly what that sounds like. Under, Under the, the Pelosi, Pelosi School, School of, of Politics, Politics, you don't bring it to the floor if you're not going to pass it. <laughs> <laughs> when death is on the line. When death. Oh, you're that smart, are you? Wait till I get going. <laughs> Oh my God, just they wheel him out. He votes. The guy's like, dude, you tied the vote. He's like, shit, I just I'm just here. I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you, Representative Al Green, for making my night. And then of course Mike Johnson gets up there today and he's like, Well, you know, we we scheduled the vote purposefully for that night. Like he admitted admitted it. He said the quiet part out loud. He admitted that they the only way we can pass this with our razor thin majority, because we have a we had to oust a guy who's been indicted on 23 felony counts. And everybody else is quitting because this job sucks because of me. Uh, the, he, he's like, so we, we scheduled it on purpose for when he was going to be in the hospital and we weren't expecting him to show up like, oh, my God, what a dick. Yeah, I know. What an asshole. <sighs> All right. Well. Again, thanks, thanks, Representative Green. Hats off, hat tip to you, my 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 good man. You are a scholar and a gentleman, even if your butt's hanging out. Thank you very much. All right, some some jackass on Twitter was like, Scalise was out because of cancer. You don't be, you don't sound upset about that. You don't sound enraged about that, Dana. They did the vote when Scalise was out. I was like, wait, are the you- Republicans called the vote. That's exactly what I said. I was like, you're a moron. <laughs> uh, okay. Isn't he getting stem cells that he voted against? All right. You know what? We won't even, we won't even talk about that because I do I need to point out Republican hypocrisy every day, all day? No. I think we get the I think we get the the drift. All right, everybody. We have a lot of good news to get to. But first, we're going to be talking to Steve Pearson. He is running for state assembly in California in Assembly District 44. That's uh, some some parts of Los Angeles. You will want to stick around and hear that. He also hosts the How We Win Pod. I know we've we've done a lot of fundraising together. Um, he helped us in in 20, 2022. We raised about a quarter of a million dollars together. For, Amazing. for you know to prevent that red wave so stick around and then we'll be back with the good news After these messages, we'll be right back. hey everybody valentine's day is around the corner it's about the connection between you and someone you love and the best way to do that is with the aura digital picture frame aura frames collects all the photos you have of family and friends uh, through an easily used app you can, and it's got like unlimited space. It makes it easy to instantly fill your home or the home of your loved ones with cherished memories. As for me, every Valentine's Day, I struggle with finding the perfect gift for my special someones. But this year, I know Aura Frames will be the perfect fit for them. I got these Aura Frames for all my family back in Cleveland for Christmas. Now I'm going to do it for my loved ones and friends. 
on Valentine's Day. They're going to love having quick access to all the photos of our special moments together, cute selfies, vacation pics, things that make us laugh, and times that mean a lot to our hearts. And memories are irreplaceable, but Aura Frames is the best way to share them. Aura Frames was also named Best Digital Photo Frame by Wirecutter. So instead of spending all my time desperately searching for a gift they won't like as much, I'll be at home choosing our favorite photos to share with them on Valentine's Day. Make this Valentine's Day the best ever and give a thoughtful gift they'll love. Right now, listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com. Uh, go now. Save up to $50 on select Aura Frames. Terms and conditions apply. That's A-U-R-A, AuraFrames.com for up to $50 in savings. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am happy today to be joined by progressive activist, organizer, proud member of SAG-AFTRA, and candidate for California Assembly District 44. Also, good friend of mine and host of the How We Win podcast on the MSW Media Network. Please welcome Steve Pearson. Hi, Steve. Hey, Allison. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you, too. I know it's been a minute since uh, we've talked, and I wanted to check in and see how your campaign for California Assembly is going. I really appreciate it. It has been a minute, and we are now uh, 26 days out (laughs) before the primary, who's counting, and uh, the campaign is going really great. You know, as everything that we do, that we've done together, um, and that your listeners are a part of, you know, we, I, I like to say we were the resistance, now we're the persistence, right? This is a true people-powered grassroots campaign. And, um, you know, we get to look under the hood a little bit and see the financial disclosures of the other candidates. And I'm so proud that we have nearly four times the individual donations of any other candidate, and that's without taking any corporate money. Um, and that's how I wanted to do this. And and so the the support from the community has been really affirming, and we are, you know, pedal to the metal. Ballots have already dropped. People already have them. So um, I'm just trying to work hard and just wondering when fast car is going to get out of my head. Those are the two things I'm concerned about right now. <laughs> It's not. It's not. And, you know, I've I've watched that video of Fast Car at the Grammys about as many times as I've read the uh, no immunity decision from the D.C. Circuit Court of <laughs> Appeals. It's, I'm going back and forth on those two things. But that's such great news about uh, the donations. That's what happens when you have a progressive grassroots, real, like true, awesome candidate, like down to earth candidate. And um, and the the platform that you're running on, I think, is what is driving those individual donations. Let's talk about it, because, I mean, we're you know, we talk about jobs, entertainment jobs. You're a member mm-hmm. of SAG-AFTRA, housing, homelessness uh, and houselessness, the environment, healthcare, education. I mean, we have so many things that you are, you know, that are that are part of your platform and the things that you're running on for the assembly. And that, I think, is what gets those grassroots, feet on the ground, individual donations uh, into the coffers and why it makes such a difference. So let's let's talk about that platform a little bit. I especially want to talk about uh, things that I know uh, that are very important to to the folks in your assembly district, which mm-hmm. again is 44. And let's talk about jobs and entertainment jobs too. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a lot of dire issues facing us right now and top of mind for Everyone in California, really across the country, is homelessness, you know, and our housing crisis. But it's especially prevalent here in our city of Los Angeles. And, um, you know, we need to meet it uh, on some different fronts. Right. Uh, I think it's important to know what we're talking about when we're talking about uh, folks who are experiencing homelessness, because 
a lot of times when you say that, people think immediately of someone who is in severe distress on the street. Uh, and, you know, that's certainly a big part of it. You know, I, I have a background. I've, I've shared on this show before that uh, I was fortunate enough to get sober when I was 19 years old. I've been clean for 33 years. And, uh, you know, mental health services, addiction services, they're very personal to me. And we were woefully underfunded. So, you know, that's a big part of helping folks, uh, you know, with those wraparound services and, um, and funding mental health professionals to, you know, fair salaries for mental health professionals. That's a big part of it. But when you, when you think of homelessness, um, you really need to realize that the number one demographic of folks who are experiencing homelessness right now are senior citizens. And that's followed by single parents and their kids, mostly single moms and their kids, right? Um, so, you know, we need to keep people from falling into homelessness. We have a silver tsunami coming up uh, with an aging population. We need to make sure that we have, uh, you know, the ability to take care of our seniors. And um, we can, at the state level, give subsidies to uh, landlords, too, who are trying to do right by their renters, by their tenants, and, um, and keep people from falling into homelessness. And then, you know, at the core of it, it's a housing crisis. We need more affordable housing, you know. Um, so there's a lot of layers to it. Um, I believe that our mayor has been doing a great job, you know, meeting this moment with urgency. And I've had the, uh, the good fortune to work with Mayor Bass over the years, and I'm looking forward to continuing to do that. And then you mentioned entertainment jobs, you know, uh, one in five people in Los Angeles work in the creative economy uh, and everybody uh, else is affected by it. We saw um, during our strike how many local businesses uh, either went under or lost their revenue by about 40 percent that weren't connected directly to the entertainment industry. And, uh, and if you know anything about how Sacramento works, we have a tax credit uh, program for the film industry. Um, and uh, it, it was really hard to get that passed, to, to get that re-upped. Uh, it's woefully insufficient to keep our jobs here. It's foundational to our economy. It's part of our identity here in California and Los Angeles. And, uh, and beyond the clear economic impact of it and benefit of it, um, the arts are essential. Uh, when we're looking at, you know, the rise of fascism all over our country, the first thing that fascists go after are the arts because they are the ways that our messages get through. Artists are the storytellers, uh, the way that when we're in our information bubbles, which you and I both know so much about, right? Um, you know, people are curated where they're getting their news, where they're getting their information, but it's the storytellers, the artists, the shows that give people uh, a look into different cultures, into different ways of thinking. It's so essential. So, um, you know, when I have the opportunity to serve in Sacramento, uh, as, as it would happen to be, I will be the only person in the assembly or in the Senate with any practical experience in the industry that's foundational to our economy here in Los Angeles. And that's a huge deal. Um, so I'll be advocating for, you know, more services for folks experiencing homelessness, for housing. I'll be you know, leading the fight along many other advocates on the environment to make sure that we uh, take care of our collective future. Uh, so many issues like that. Healthcare is very important to me, but I'll be a little bit on an island on my own advocating for the arts and advocating for our film industry. And I'm going to be the squeaky wheel uh, advocating for my community there. Uh, you know, I, I recently got to talk to Stephen Van Sant, right? That's the, uh, oh, yeah. the E Street Band guy. 
uh, helping, you know, that uh, I, I know he gave some really awesome headscarves to Jamie Raskin when he was going. That will his, help me get fast uh, car out of my head, though. Thank you for that. His treatment. But he's he's got this push of turning STEM into STEAM, right? Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. STEAM, right. He wants to add the A. He wants to add the arts into there because what, you know, I mean, I, you know, I think back to like Dead Poets Society in the 90s is like pretty soon they'll have nothing to read or write about uh, without the arts. So I think that that's um, just, oh, no, wait, no. They, they had that. I'm sorry. I have to get my pop culture references right. That was the Richard Dreyfuss movie. Uh, Mr. Holland's opus, right. but they had the same, <laughs> they had the same uh, idea going on in Dead Poet Society, uh, that art is at the center of everything, and especially in California. Yeah, I mean, pop culture references aside, we know what arts programs do in anti-poverty initiatives. We know how successful they are in anti-recidivism initiatives. Um, and I say that 100%. exact phrase. In fact, I'm going to I'm going to dig up uh, Stevie Van Zandt and give him a call because uh, I say that phrase all the time. When we add the A to STEM and make it STEAM, you know, it's it helps math and science learners be more effective. It, it lifts everybody up. And we are just un- underfunded when it comes to uh, the arts and cultural programs. And uh, it's very short sighted. We have a thirty eight billion dollar budget deficit here in California right now. And a budget is a statement of your values. Speaker Pelosi says that all the time. I'm stealing that from her, um, borrowing it from her, I should say. <laughs> um, but, mm-hmm. you know, you have to make some very, very tough decisions. And whenever there's a budget deficit, the arts are the first to go. They're first to go in our schools. I've been very honored to be endorsed by the California Teachers Association, the largest teachers union in our state. Uh, and they, they know uh, that I'm dedicated to fun- fully funding our schools and the arts are a huge part of that. So, yes, I'm going to, um, for many reasons, look up Stevie Van Sant and see if he'll answer my call because uh, um, he's the coolest. <laughs> yeah, excellent spokesperson for that program. And I also wanted to talk to you about, given, you know, right before we started recording, before I hit the record button, we were talking about the, like, immense rains and flooding uh, and, and mm-hmm. torrential downpours, mudslides, the L.A. River being at its max and you know, and and how we are impacted now in our daily lives, both, you know, personally and fiscally by climate change. And your platform on the environment is very strong. And I I, I want you to talk a little bit about, I mean, I know in general, um, you know, for everybody, how important it is, but LA specific with, with everything that we've been seeing in the last few weeks and the last, I mean, a couple of years, honestly. Yeah, thank you for that. First of all, I, I want to take a moment to just reach out to anyone who's been affected by the storms and are still being affected by the storms. We have seen mudslides and um, uh, there is a, a home right by where Melinda, my wife, used to live, like right next to it that slid off the hill up in Beverly Glen. Thankfully, nobody was injured in that. That was a miracle. Um, and uh, and I also want to give big credit to um, our city for capturing a lot of that storm water and doing a better job of of um, of storm water capture that they than, than they've had in the past because we really need to be innovative about that to meet the needs you know when we have these huge storms you know we are still living in in times of drought and um, and so you know that gave me a lot of hope but all of all of these storms make it very clear that uh, climate change. <laughs> Is real. Sorry, Republicans. Just going to say that. Um, and, uh, you know, the existential threat that faces us um, as a collective humanity 
could not be more stark. So every single decision that we make um, has to have, you know, the, the climate repercussions, you know, at the core of it. And, um, you know, when we talk about housing, we talk about building affordable housing, we need to look at doing that near transit corridors and, um, and making sure that, you know, that that's equitable. And, um, you know, we have, what makes me excited also about serving in California, which I believe is the most impactful body of government that we have right now, full stop, not a hard argument to make, especially in light of the dysfunction that we have just seen in Congress. But, you know, especially around our climate initiatives, we have transformed the automobile industry with our mandate for all electric car sales, you know, uh, by 2035. Oh, it's because we buy so many cars here. We, you know, we have so much influence on these. Uh, it, it's California that that lowered, that dropped all the emissions and, and made the, you know, emission standards so so much better because we have so much buying power. We're the what fourth, fifth largest economy in the world. So, I mean, we are the we, fourth we really largest in the world. That. That's right. Mm-hmm. And we do. We just passed some legislation last term that uh, um, about corporate carbon uh, emissions accountability and uh, that requires corporations to report and then, you know, adjust their carbon impact. That will, uh, you know, change the way corporations around the world do business, because as you pointed out, we are the fourth largest economy in the world. If you want to do business here in California, you've got to play by our rules. So, you know, we are leading the way on climate and uh, and we must um, because, uh, you know, uh, the situation is dire. And um, and, you know, also uh, the folks who are the most impacted by climate change need to be taken care of. And you see that time and time again when we have these really, hor- you know, horrible storms. Um, it's always uh, the most marginalized communities that are, that are the most affected by it. So uh, we have a lot of work to do. But uh, as long as we. Uh, always look to put people first and build our communities then um, you know uh, and, and work collectively together too that's that's really important none of this work that we do uh, comes from you know the, the big change doesn't come from politicians right you know we can put up the bills uh, you know hopefully you have good politicians who are you know uh, championing the same issues that that you want championed but every big movement for change in the history of our country has come from people it's come from people power, rising up, making their voices heard, owning their power, owning their agency as individuals to be part of a bigger collective cha- power of change for good. So, you know, that's going to be my approach coming into Sacramento is galvanizing the people power that you and I have been doing, for, you know, <laughs> since we got into this work uh, and, and making some real change. Good. Yeah. And, you know, I've long said um, local politics and state politics is where the rubber meets the road. When those federal dollars come in, you want a progressive in that assembly seat. So mail-in ballots are going out right now. If you are in Assembly District 44, make sure you vote for Steve Pearson because we we need those grassroots progressives uh, in Sacramento to, to make sure that where the rubber meets the road uh, is 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 in those areas that we we need to focus on um as progressives and as democrats so again check your check your mailbox because it's probably in there by now uh and if not pretty soon you should have it you should have it and just for folks who don't know where 8044 is it's like the san fernando valleys if you live in sherman oaks studio city valley village north hollywood toluca lake burbank uh 
half of Glendale, La Crescenta, Montrose, Sunland, Tahunga up in there, um, then your ballot is probably sitting on your desk somewhere. And my name is on there. So um, I'm asking for you to fill that out and get that in as soon as possible. Yeah. Steve Pearson, can you tell everybody where to find you uh, on the internets and all the places uh, besides the ballot? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, so Pearson for California.com is the website. That's P-I-E-R-S-O-N-F-O-R-C-A.com. I'm sure you'll have a link on your uh, show notes page for that too. Thank you, Allison, for that. Um, and yeah, please, uh, check me out. You can reach out to me through that website as well. That goes right to my inbox. So I'm happy to answer any questions and, um, would be honored to have everyone's support. Uh, I'm so grateful for, for the opportunity to do this. It's, it's really humbling and exciting. So, uh, thank you so much, Allison too, for being such a champion for our, our campaign. I really appreciate it. Of course. Well, I look forward to seeing what happens. I know I, I, I got the phone call in New York in the rain when you said, I'm thinking about running. And I said, <laughs> hell yeah, my friend. Heck yes. So we appreciate you and uh, everybody uh, make sure to, to vote. It's so very important. Uh, and uh, I appreciate your time today. My friend, Steve Pearson, thank you. Thank you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play, let's see. What the mutt? Cat me if you can. What the hell is in that shell? What's the model of your oxalotl? Opine on the bovine. What the heck wine? Or what the fark is in your arc? Anything at all, send it to us. If you have a shout out to a loved one, a self shout out, love those very much. Uh, if you have baby photos, if you have a small business in your area you want to share with us that could use some support or your small business, theses and dissertation titles. Of course, I love VA stories and I also love student debt relief stories. So send those to us. And if you know somebody uh, who who has a student debt relief story, will be stories, blanky stories, frog orgies, baby fit. I already said baby pictures, but Wait, send, it's okay. Double it up. I'm good. Double the amount of baby pictures. Um, send them to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. All right. First up, from anonymous, no pronouns. I'll keep this short. There is a saying in some circles of consenting adults, three is company, four is an orgy. And a shout out for not judging people based on what they engage with, as long as everyone's on the same page. Yeah, this, the same page thing is the deal, right? That's the whole deal. <laughs> for what it's worth, I think those squirrels were participating in what be, might be called a treesome. <laughs> okay, that's adorable. Ah, bada! I did not even put that together. How did we miss that? I one? don't know. Sometimes we do. That was just the low, the low hanging fruit, and we just and we walked right past it. We walked right. So by. good though. Here is Seamus, just Aww. because he's cute. he is cute. Oh, look at that look face, Choco Lab, lovely Choco Taco Puppers. Thank you, anonymous. And yeah, hey, right to each their own. Absolutely. All right. This is from CJ, pronouns he and him. I know. I'd like to shout out my wonderful spouse. She's a great partner, mother, and kindergarten teacher. We recently celebrated 10th anniversary, and I still am giddy about getting to spend every day with Mm. her. I'm looking forward to many, many more years and milestones to come. Here's a photo of our son as a toddler. He's eight now and developing into quite the little gamer, skater, Lego builder, and metalhead, begging us to get him some drums. 
crumbs. But look at this little peanut and that mischievous, mischievous look. So he's a Gen Xer in a, in a Gen Alpha body, huh? See, Gen oh, Gamer, skater, Lego, metalhead. Sounds like sounds like me in high school. <laughs> oh my god, it's cute. Oh, adorable. Thank you for that. 10th anniversary. Happy anniversary and what a sweet little baby. All right, next up from Jane D, pronoun she and her. Not really good news, but more of a democracy public service announcement. A DPSA. Yes. People people are all over social media saying they will be voting straight blue, but if you select the straight blue ticket button, it will only vote for Democrats. So if another party is running against a Republican in a specific race, we would miss out on voting for anyone other than a Republican, such as an independent, Green Party, etc. So I encourage everyone to vote in each race separately so that we can vote against any and every Republican. If a race only has an unchallenged Republican, don't vote. For my pod pet tax, meet Katie the Wonder Dog. My husband and I rescued her from the Dallas Pound. She's almost 11, but acts like a two-year-old. The first pick is of her and my husband. Um, built after they built after he built not the dog but the husband built a picket fence around his garden so Katie would stop mowing down the vegetables. The second <laughs> pick is Katie rolling around with a plastic vodka bottle, and the third is Katie in a chair on the back porch. Oh, Jane, good point. So if you select straight blue ticket, it only votes for Democrats, and if a Republican is not running against a Democrat, but there's only a Republican independent. Yeah, you got to vote separately and vote for that independent. And if there's only just a Republican, don't vote for that Republican in that race. Um, So very good, because it'll select that probably. I don't know. The vodka bottle is amazing. So good. I love the carpet. Very mid mod. (laughs) She's got a fence post. (laughs) I know. Just all happy in her collar. Hello. Not how it happened. Not sure it happened. Probably wondering how I got here. (laughs) This is not my beautiful fence. That's right. This is not my beautiful car. All right, back in. <laughs> you thought we. You thought we were. I was going to count us back in from an edit. Back in three, two. two. All right, this is from Coach Kate. <laughs> Pronoun she and her. Now y'all know what happens when we fuck up. All right. <laughs> it's back I in just three, assumed two. I, I just assumed, assumed I was going to. I'm like back. In Have three, you ever done two. it in real life? Like I'm or ordering off a menu and I'll pronounce something wrong and I'll go. All right, back in three, two, and then I'll. T- Stop Keep it. Ordering. No, but you know what I have done with the stupid voice dictation? You know, when you do a memo and you're going to be like, hey, I'm doing a memo. I just want to tell you have a great day instead of texting. There's several times I've been like, hey, comma, I hope you're having a great day, comma. <laughs> and I just want to tell you I'm thinking about you, period. And then I send it and it's me saying those words yeah. instead of actually. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've I've seen that. Um, if you've seen yep. if you've seen wine country. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm dictating. What? Dictating? Dictating. Yep. Yeah. It's great. Yep. Okay. And we're back. This is from Coach Kate, pronoun she and her. Aloha, beautiful beans queens. I'm feeling so blessed tonight, but first, a bit of backstory to set the stage. Ooh. Like UAG, I grew up watching and loving sports, especially basketball. Being from North Carolina and having a dad who graduated from the University of North Carolina, we bonded by watching games and taking a very special daddy-daughter trip to Chapel Hill once a year for a game. Uh-huh. A tradition we continue to this day, 35 years later, and 20 years since my own graduation from UNC. This is awesome. Now, uh, by the way, that wasn't me with a weird tick. It's in this good news story. Now, I am a coach working with young girls and, oh, on Kauai. 
lovely place to coach. I believe that team sports help instill traits such as discipline, hard work, commitment, and teamwork that will help my girls become amazing women long after they play for me. This season, I was asked to become a referee for a high school basketball conference on the island. And in the past two weeks, I've been promoted to not only varsity games from the, oh, to not only varsity games from the junior high level, I am considered good enough to referee boys varsity. Mm. Fuck yeah. Why does this make me feel so blessed, you may ask? Because I am representing females in the boys division and I'm demonstrating to my youth basketball girls that females can do anything and be represented in all arenas of life. Hmm. Nice. If I had seen more female referees, announcers, and coaches when I was watching Carolina games with my dad, I may have thought that I too could have a career in sports off the court. I can only hope that my girls see me out there and realize that they do, they can do anything they choose, no matter the quote societal gender norms associated with it. Mahalo for letting me share my passion with you, and happy Mahi- oh, Okay, Mahino Olelo. Hawaii. I hope that I'm saying that Mahina Oleo Hawaii, which is Hawaiian Language Month. So happy Hawaiian Language Month, everyone. <laughs> I like how it's difficult to say happy yes. Hawaiian Language Month. I may have butchered and I apologize. Someone please correct me if I did not do that correctly. I love Kauai, by the way. It's one of my favorite islands. It is beautiful. All righty. Next up. Oh, this puppy from Julia, pronouns she and her. Hello. I had an experience at the Costco pharmacy today that affirmed my belief in human kindness. I was there picking up my son's insulin and glucose monitor, and the bill came to almost $1,400. Whoa. My 25-year-old son is on our insurance plan but doesn't have the funds to cover the expense. The man standing in line next to me noticed the price and the medications, and he was almost in tears. He said that his recently deceased wife used the same things, and he would like to give them to me. We spoke for some time, and he told me about his wife. I told him about Charlie, and we exchanged phone numbers. He lives an hour outside the city, and he will call me when he comes in next week to drop the supplies off. Totally unexpected. Wow. Pod pet tax, our dog Bruno, on his gotcha day almost 10 years ago. Oh, look at this baby. <laughs> and this guy's going to drive an hour to drop off these supplies for you, Julia. That's oh. so awesome. Good people. There's good people. Look for the helpers. Look for the helpers. As Mr. Rogers said. Thank you, everybody, for sending in these stories. Please send us your good news stories at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. In California, especially if you're in District 44, when you open your mail-in ballots, they should be in your mailbox right now. Make sure you vote for Steve Pearson. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, just a little shout out if you're new to the pod or just didn't get to this point in the good news. I've got shows coming up. So check my website, danagoldberg.com. I will be in Bend, Oregon. I already know there's some Beans listeners going to be there on March 8th. It's part of a big ski weekend, but you can just get solo tickets to that event. So fun. Uh, I'm also going to be in Fort Lauderdale on April 12th, which is my birthday at the Sunshine Cathedral. So those tickets are on the website. And between now and then, I have uh, galas in Austin, Pennsylvania, uh, Los Angeles, uh, be in North Carolina this weekend, and then South Florida the weekend after. So I'm hitting the road, working on the weekends. But if you want tickets to one of my live comedy shows, you can go to danagoldberg.com and get them there. Bend, Oregon and Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Rad. Thank you, my friend. Everybody, we will be back in your ears tomorrow. It's going to be uh, Fugelsang Friday. So John Fugelsang will be here too. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. Vote blue over Q. And take your family with you. I've been AG. 
And I've been DG. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. And the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.